Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 22, verses 27 through 28. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and He rules over the nations. This is the word of the Lord. And as His people, we say thanks be to God for that word. Now today, I want to go over a few announcements before we begin our time together. But before I do that, let me just say welcome. It is wonderful to be with you in worship today, even through these digital means. And let me encourage you to go ahead as I'm kind of updating you on some of these announcements and the life and the worship of our church, that you say hi to one another, that you say something in the chat. Many of you, over 70 of us, are gathering on Sunday mornings in people's homes. Uh, so if you're in a home group, you could say hello from your your group, if you have that option there on your on your device that you're watching. Well, we, we have decided what we want to do is have everybody gather at least when the sermon initially airs live so that we can in some way be together to do that specifically and only on YouTube. So if you're on Facebook right now, you are probably not seeing anything at all. Uh, we will post later in the day this for our Facebook friends, but as far as 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, the really only ways to watch that is either uh, you could watch it um, on our website. It's always there. But we really want to encourage everyone to be on YouTube together at the same time so that as we chat, as we see each other's names and faces, we are encouraged by that. Now, probably the biggest announcement, of course, and everyone should know this at this point, is that this afternoon we're going to have our first in-person worship service um, that, we have, that we will have had in the last six months. Communion is going to be a part of that. Baptisms are going to be a part of that. Uh, the, it will be an installation service for me as your associate pastor. Uh, before, I was, before COVID hit, I was approved by Presbytery, and we haven't had the service where I'm prayed for and installed. Um, if you haven't already watched the update um, that was dropped on Thursday evening, uh, that tells you this kind of a physical walkthrough of what the, the precautions and the logistics are with regards to that worship service. If you are planning on coming in person, hopefully you've already emailed me. If you haven't, just give me a heads up that you're coming. We're trying to keep an accurate count and an accurate list of names for that worship service. Um, and then also make sure you review over the COVID document, the plan that we have in place. And there'll be links to these things down in the description below. Um, if you are interested in being a volunteer, uh, that service is probably covered. But as we begin to plan and think about other in-person events, if you are interested in being a volunteer for that, or maybe you're interested in being a volunteer to help us maintain our grounds uh, and, and make sure that we, we put our best foot or face forward, please contact me again so that I can connect you to the appropriate volunteer leaders um, so that we can get you connected. And again, as I mentioned earlier, many of you are in home groups. If you'd like to get involved or are plugged into a home group, maybe you you're interested in leading or hosting some people at your home on Sunday mornings, again, contact me. Uh, if you are a home group leader, you probably saw uh, This Week in the Loop, which is our newsletter, and you can get to all of these things on our website, and that's, we encourage you that's the way to do those things. But in the loop, you saw uh, our first 
worship resources so that you can, uh, with the guidance of our worship team, sing along and begin to sing some of those praises and hymns that will remind us of what it is like to gather together. And you can do that together with your, your home group. And then lastly, last announcement, I just want to let you know whether you are a believer or not a believer. However you made it to this video this morning, whether you're watching us live or whether you're watching this years from now, please let us pray for you. If there is anything at all that we can pray for you, your friends, your family, your neighbor, your community, we gather together as a staff digitally online on Tuesdays. We have a, a prayer list that goes out. Please give us the privilege to pray with you and for you. Now, today we continue the Jesus Storybook Bible series. Last week, um, we, Pastor Tommy went over the 10 ways to be perfect or the 10 commandments. And excuse me, if you missed that sermon, go back again. All of these things are available on our website, on Facebook, on, on YouTube. But after the Ten Commandments were given, there is, of course, the 40 years that the Israelites spend in the desert. And I don't know if, if many of you remember, but right when this pandemic hit, I actually did a devotional series based on a book called The Land Between, and it covered a lot of that um, trial and testing. It was very relevant as we entered into the pandemic. It's still relevant today. We I talked about Moses and the way in which he had a meltdown. I talked about the way in which God provides for his people in the desert, the way in which God disciplines us when we're in those difficult times in the desert, and the transformational growth that we experience when we are in these spiritual wilderness places of our life. So again, another resource, very short devotionals if you'd like to go through that. Today, we are going to look at the book of Joshua. And the Storybook Bible series is kind of giving us a guideline as far as where we're going to, to cover each week. And, and the Storybook Bible really focuses in on the story of Jericho. But I'm going to instead focus in on Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you, open those up. Uh, whether that is an, an actual physical Bible or just your digital uh, access to it. But I do encourage you to read God's word for yourself. Um, that'll be Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Now, as we approach God's word and our time together with him, let us go to him in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we gather together faithfully as your church. We have done so throughout the ages, regardless of whether there was war or famine, pandemic, disease, or persecution. And we gather today in this way, and then later this afternoon in person, to hear you, to listen to you. We are hungry for your word. We are hungry for your guidance and for your provision. And so we play, pray that this morning, that anything that is Samuel, that we would be moved out of the way, and that your people would hear you and that you would speak to us words of life uh, this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I was once asked by someone, in fact, I've, I've been asked this a number of times. I was asked when I interviewed here um, a little over a year ago. Can you be, believe it's only been a little over a year that I've been here with you? Uh, but I was asked, what is, what is the best part or best thing um, about being in full-time ministry as a pastor. And I, I, I said, you know, I, I feel like 
The primary spiritual gifts that I have or that have been given to me are in the areas of administration, in the areas of teaching and preaching. And when I am preparing for sermons like today, God speaks to me like in a way that, that, is, that happens in no other way in my life. And that's a reminder for all of us that the impact of just being deep in the Word can have. And yet the best part about being in ministry, even though those things are all very true, the best part, for me at least, is having a front row seat to see all the places in people's lives and in our church in our church family where God has been and is at work in miraculous ways as he is faithful. Faithful to us as individuals, faithful to us as families, and faithful to us as a church community, as a church family. Sometimes I get to be a prime participant in those moments, and sometimes I'm just a witness with, with little more um, role than to just be there and to see it, and, and those are fantastic. Now, a number of years ago, um, when I was in Florida, I experienced one of those God moments that I just got to walk into. A dad, just barely in his 60s, had traveled up um, to the far north corner of, of Florida, which is Jacksonville, and that is where the Mayo Clinic was, and he was getting ready to have some tests done in order to have a liver transplant. And they were doing the tests to find, you know, all the right markers to make sure they're going to get the right type of liver, the exact right match to increase the success of the transplant. And this was obviously a difficult time for that dad and for his entire family, and yet the whole family was hopeful. They expected that right after he received these tests, at least the plan was that he would be placed at the very top of the transplant list and that he would very soon after um, get a liver transplant and they would make it through this journey, this difficult journey together. When they did the tests, they found out that yes, his liver was failing, but also that he had a pervasive and aggressive cancer that had spread through his entire body. In a moment, in a snap of a finger, his life was turned completely upside down as he was told that he had weeks, maybe even just days left. In complete and utter shock, the family drove back down to the, the hometown where we were uh, where they were attenders of the, the congregation there. And literally the next day, his health had deteriorated to the point that he had to be admitted to the local hospital. I received a call um, that day, I believe, from his daughter. She was in a group, a small group with me. And she told me about the situation and she asked if I would come in to the hospital and pray there with her father. She told me that he had never really professed his faith. And in all of her conversations over the years with her dad, he was skeptical about the gospel message. And I remember it was on a late Tuesday night that I arrived at the hospital and I walked in the room and as I spoke to this man that I had met for the very first time, I realized that this was a God moment. 
God had already been at work in this man's heart through his circumstances, through God only knows how many countless conversations he had had with his daughter, with his wife, and with his children. And I, just because I was a pastor, had the privilege to just swoop in, come in, and pray with a man in his final hours and who cried out in tears, Jesus, save me. I want to believe in you. I do believe in you. That was a moment to remember. And a few days later, we had the memorial service where we did remember. He served in the Air Force for over 20 years, and so there was a a graveside service over at Cape Canaveral National Cemetery. And they buried him, and this is the first experience I had ever had with a military burial, but they buried him with military honors. They did the the three-volley salute, the flag-folding ceremony. And And the timing was incredible. It was just days before Memorial Day. As this man was buried next to others, some who had given their lives for us, and the entire ceremony and the traditions were very deeply impactful to me. These actions tied him to a community larger than himself. And for those of us still here, helped us to be mindful of the larger history of our nation and those who had gone before us. We are oftentimes a forgetful people, not only as a nation, but as God's people. We often forget those God moments in our lives where the hair stands on the back of our necks and we know God is here. God is at work in this moment in a unique and special way. And then we forget. Time marches on. Throughout Scripture, because of this, God calls His people to not be forgetful, but rather to remember. We are called to remember where we have been as a people, and we are called to remember important God moments where He has shown Himself faithful to His people. We do this through stories through teaching the next generation. We do it by being purposefully mindful through traditions and memorials that connect us to past encounters with God and propel us faithfully forward into a future with Him. Now, if you haven't already, please open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Our text for today recalls a God moment in the history of Israel, this miraculous moment when God's people who had been in the desert for over 40 years crossed the Jordan River and entered into the promised land. Now the difficulties were not over, as you'll see as we continue this series, but this was a monumental moment in the history of God's people where God showed up, and delivered on his promises. And as a part of this moment, God commanded the people to make a memorial, 
a memorial of stones so that future generations would remember this God moment, connect with their ancestors, connect with their God, and know that their future was literally grounded in the stones of the earth in God's constant faithfulness throughout the ages. Again, this this particular passage we're focusing in on is Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever." And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. This is the word of the Lord, and as God's people, we say thanks be to God. The Israelites had been in the desert, the wilderness, the the land between lands, for 40 years. Let that sink in for just a moment. Many of us, I would almost wager all of us, myself included, of course, cannot stand a desert-like time in our own lives for more than a few months. And of course, all of us are in a wilderness exile moment right now with this pandemic. But just imagine if this new way of life that we've been experiencing for the last six months, don't cry when I say this, just imagine though for a moment what we have experienced for the last six months, if that didn't let up, until the year 2060. Many of us wouldn't make it, and many of the Israelites did not. And the man who led them through all of that time is now gone. Moses has just died, and Deuteronomy 34.8 says, The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Joshua 
is given the mantle of leadership and is told by God, it is time to get up, cross the Jordan River, and enter the promised land. This is an incredible crisis moment for the people of God. Moses has just died. This young guy, Joshua, is saying that we are going to continue. And even though it is spring, even though the river Jordan is at the highest levels of water that it experiences throughout a year cycle, and even though we are going to go in that direction without any idea how we are going to get across the Jordan River, other than that God has promised to be faithful to us, follow me. And in spite of this crisis, or maybe in the face of it, God says in the very opening verses of the book of Joshua, in chapter 1, verse 5, No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This is a promise, by the way, because we are so forgetful that God continually makes to his people. Jesus makes it in Matthew 28. God continually says to us, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I think we all in this time of wilderness need to hear that no matter how great the crisis God says to his people, God says to you, God says to you, wherever you are and wherever you may be watching this, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so believing this, having faith in this, Joshua and the people of God move forward. The Ark of the Covenant the very presence of God himself goes before them. And as they enter into the Jordan River, the waters part. The priests and the Ark of the Covenant stand in the middle of the river as the people of God all cross over the Jordan. This is a crucial moment in time. It's a God moment. A moment that is connected to all these other past God moments that we've been exploring as we've been through this storybook series. Remember, of course, 40 years ago, God parted the Red Sea as God's people left slavery and entered into freedom. That moment was to be forever remembered whenever they would celebrate the Passover. Long before that, God cleansed the world with a flood of water and made a way for Noah and his family to make it through those waters for a new beginning. That moment was to be forever remembered whenever anyone in humanity saw a rainbow. Long before that, out of the chaos of the primordial waters, God brought order as he created the heavens and earth and all the things in it. That moment was to be forever remembered in a weekly Sabbath day of rest. And so here in this moment, the people of God move from chaos to order. 
from an old way of life to a new beginning, from the wilderness to the promised land. And this moment was to be forever remembered. In this case, through a physical memorial of stones, the very stones that they walked over in the middle of the Jordan River were taken, one for each tribe of Israel, one for each of the 12 tribes, and placed so that future generations would not only celebrate the Sabbath, they would not only celebrate the Passover meal, but they would also visibly see these stones from the center of the river, and remember, they would remember this moment of God's incredible faithfulness. This was an act of purposeful, willed memory. The community, the people of God, very intentionally and regularly remembered these moments where God was faithful to them and his promises. They intentionally taught these things to their children through stories, memorials like those stones, and traditions like the Passover meal. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 8 through 9, God says to his people, What other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as his body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful. And watch yourselves closely that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. The future generations would not all have these same God moments and experiences with God the same way that Joshua did. You most likely will not personally have the same God experiences of Moses and Noah and Adam. And yet one of the ways in which future generations of Israel would encounter God in their present time that you and I encounter God in our present time is through recalling the past in intentional and purposeful ways. A scholar and professor of Old Testament at Yale University, Dr. Brevard Childs, he wrote this. He said, the act of remembering whether that act is um, actual actions, whether it's a visible reminder or a purposeful and thoughtful remembering. The act, the very act of remembering serves to actualize the past for a generation removed in time from those former events in order that they themselves can have an intimate encounter with the great acts of redemption. Remembrance equals participation. There is something about recalling the past and having an intentional remembering that gives us a very real encounter with that past, a real encounter with God. It is an encounter that is anchored in the past, 
and yet has a present reality to it through the work of the Holy Spirit and even points us to future encounters with God and his faithfulness. This isn't a call to remember the glory days or to dwell in the past. I know that we are all very good about doing that glory day remembering, myself included. Remember in the good old days, this is usually how it starts out. Remember in the good old days when gas was less than a dollar a gallon? Remember, some of you may be saying, oh yeah, I remember when gas was less than 20 cents a gallon. This biblical call to remember is different than the glory day remembering that we fall into sometimes. We remember God's involvement and faithfulness as we orient ourselves and as we look to the future. As God has done great wonders for his people in the past, and as we remember that and experience his presence, now we look forward to his wondrous provision for us in the future. And this is best exemplified, of course, in the Lord's Supper, which we celebrate as a future-oriented, hopeful memorial. It's not that we believe that the glory days were when um, Jesus came and that we should long to live as people lived in first century Palestine. Yes, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as Scripture says, in remembrance of him and what he did. But in a very real way, we expect the presence of the Holy Spirit in the present reality as we remember God's salvific act in history of Jesus Christ coming and laying down his life for us, and at the same time, take hold of the promises that we belong to him and that he will one day come again. Jesus himself points to that future eating and drinking together in Mark chapter 14, 25. He says to his disciples, he says, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. As Psalm 77, 11 says, we remember the deeds of the Lord. We remember his miracles of long ago. And as we mindfully and purposely remember those moments, we experience God now in the remembrance. And that current and past experience shapes us. It orients us. It molds us like clay and, and orients us towards a faithful future. It is when we forget who we are. It is when we forget who we belong to. It is when we forget who our God has proven himself to be over and over and over again that we fall into unfaithfulness, hopelessness, and doubt our futures, which, friends, are completely and totally secure in his hands. We, as God's people today, do this through memorials, like the Lord's Supper, 
through teaching the next generation, through God's Word, through sermon series like the one we're in now, like the Storybook Bible. And we can also apply this to our individual lives as well. As we reflect on our text for today, as God's people, we are called in our own lives to remember and memorialize those moments that we have with God. Through purposeful and intentional actions, we are called to remember the places where God has acted in our lives and pass those moments on to our children and our children's children. Maybe it is an item. Maybe it is a picture, a phrase, something visible or tangible that we attach to that moment of God's provision and faithfulness. Maybe it's keeping a journal of where God has been faithful to your prayers that you intentionally visit from time to time. Someone once told me of a practice that they, they did with their family, which was that any time that God showed up or that God answered one of their prayers, they would put a small stone near the entranceway of their home. And so that whenever they would go in and out of their home, they would see this collection of stones and be reminded of God's consistent and past faithfulness. And so I encourage us as God's people today, make a purposeful movement in your life to somehow remember the God moments in your life so that you can experience that faithfulness of the past in your present and let it orient you towards the future. In fact, I'm going to pause now just for a moment. Maybe you can write it down. Uh, maybe you just think it in your, in your mind, but just stop for a moment. And as individuals, remember, can you remember a time where you felt God's presence, where God showed up in a significant way, where God answered a prayer of your heart? I'm going to stop for just a moment to remember so that we can be purposeful in remembering where God has shown up in our lives. Now we do this purposeful remembering, not only as individuals, not only with our families, but we do it on the communal level together as a church family. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I've only been here for a little over a year, but there are many people who have been a part of this community for years upon years, for decades upon decades. There are countless stories and remembrances of God's faithfulness over the years. If you have some of those stories, share them with the next generation. Share the stories of this community with one another. One of the things we're posting on social media and in the loop is um, hashtag we are new hope, where we share stories of encouragement, stories of God's faithfulness. If you're one of those folks and you can remember a moment in the past where God has been faithful to this church, faithful to us as a community, send that to us. 
Let us share and remember together where God has been with us and how he continues to be faithful with us into the future. If you are newer, like me, do what I'm doing right now. Ask people. Ask people in your home group, maybe after the sermon is over, share a time where God has been faithful to this community. This afternoon, we are going to gather together in the first time in person for the first time in over six months. For those who are able to come, when you come, you will remember our former worship and you will remember our former fellowship and the experience will not be the same. It is going to be a pale imitation of what that once was. In fact, it reminds me of of the place in Scripture when the people of God return from exile, and they rebuild the temple, and all of the young people are celebrating and are joyous, and all the old people at the exact same moment are weeping because the young people don't remember what it was like before, and the older people are weeping because the new temple and the new worship is nothing like it was in the time of David and Solomon. And yet this will be a moment for us to remember. It will be a moment in which God continues to prove himself faithful to us, and he will continue to prove faithful to us as we go into the future from here. When Moses died, the people of God mourned for 30 days. And when they came to the river Jordan, their path forward seemed impossible. Yet they remembered God's faithfulness in the past, and they believed his promise. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The same way that the people of Israel followed Joshua, or in Hebrew, Yeshua, into the promised land. We, as believers and followers of Jesus, same exact name in Hebrew, Yeshua, follow him into a deeper spiritual reality. As we remember the faithfulness that God has demonstrated in the past, as we remember the places that God has demonstrated his faithfulness in our own individual lives, in us as a community here at New Hope, and we continue to put our trust in him and him alone as we go forward. Remember, as a church family, our deserts and our cross-the-Jordan moments, remember this moment we are in now. God is faithful to us. As he has been with us in the past, so he will be with us now and into the future. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Church, remember the deeds of the Lord. Remember his miracles from long ago and move forward together with us in faith. Amen and amen. Let me pray for us. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your word.
for remembering Joshua, for remembering Moses, for all of these moments in the Old Testament that point out and remind us of your overwhelming faithfulness. We trust you, and we ask by the power of your Spirit that you would keep our faithfulness and our memories active as we remember you, as we remember the ways in which you continue to show up for us. Give us strong and faithful hearts, even in desert moments, even in moments where we have not yet reached the promised land. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, at this time in the service is where we would call for the offering. And if you're coming later today for the worship service, there will be, I think I didn't mention this in the update, a way in which um, on the way out, you can, you can, or even on the way in, you can drop off your offering physically. But we still want to encourage people as much as possible to take it, uh, advantage, to avail yourself of the online ways of um, mailing your, your offerings in. And thank you. There'll be an a update on our stewardship coming out in the loop next week. Thank you for your continued faithfulness and support of our mission and our ministry as we proclaim the gospel here in our community. Um, at this point in the service, we are going to profess our faith together. And I've taken a small excerpt from a confession that's called the Scots Confession. And so because they're Scottish, they say church in an abnormal way or a way that we're not familiar with. And, but I, I hesitated to change it because it just sounds so beautiful to, to my ears. It's called, instead of church, we're going to say Kirk. K-I-R-K. And the chapter 5 of the Scots Confession is about the continuance, the increase, and the, the preservation of the Kirk or of the church, the way in which the church will never fail. And we're just going to read the first couple of sentences, but I encourage you, look up the rest of it online because it talks about all the ways in which God is faithful throughout the Old Testament stories that we've been recently covering. But here's what it is, and let's, I encourage you, if you're a, a home group, uh, say this together. If you're just a family gathered together, say it together. If you're alone, say it together. We are all in this moment professing what we positively believe together. Here we go. We most surely believe that God preserved, instructed, multiplied, honored, adorned, and called from death to life his Kirk in all ages since Adam until the coming of Christ Jesus in the flesh. Amen and amen. Now the storybook Bible, again, I strayed a little bit. I didn't go over Jericho, but it's still, I want to read the last section here from that. It says this, God's plan was still working. One day he would give his people another leader and another home. But this home, no one could ever take from them. This afternoon, Pastor Tommy is going to preach um, on the call of Samuel. And then next week, we continue with our series with the teeny weeny true king, the King David. Now, as you go forward from your time together, I... Um, let me pray this blessing for you. May the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit be with you as you remember his faithfulness in the past, as you experience him now in this moment, and as we move forward into the future together. Amen and amen.